So welcome back to the Sign of Good Health podcast. Today I'm with Aaron Cooney, the owner of Rinkanua in Maple Grove. So Aaron, do you want to tell us a little bit about the kind of history and background of Irish dance culture? Yeah, sure. Well, um, Irish dance goes, you know, really way back for the Irish culture. Um, basically, uh, the Irish always had a, a real big pride in um, their heritage, music, and dance, and poetry, and things like that. And um, as uh, it was something that parents would pass down to their children, and something you would teach, like the Irish language, the Irish dance, and everything like that. So. Um, basically, with the Irish culture, there was a time in Ireland where um, there were these laws that were placed in Ireland, um, and they were called the penal laws, and basically, um, a lot of the Irish culture um, was not allowed. You weren't allowed to kind of pass that on um, based on kind of governmental laws. Um, so parents really needed to figure out a way, you know, this is their joy and it's something that they really love. They want to be able to pass on the dancing tradition. So. Um, a big part of the Irish culture is, you know, how can we pass this on to our children despite the regulations that were in place during some of their history. Um, and it was also, dance was also a piece of just coming together as a community and um, enjoying, um, enjoying something together in celebration. Um, so, so basically, you know, Part of the Irish history and passing on Irish dance, there's kind of these tales of how they were able to pass on the traditions of Irish dance. And one of them was that um, because they couldn't get up and you know dance and, <laughs> and, and teach dance, um, basically they would use like the, the thumb as the floor and two figures representing the feet for the footwork and kind of like teach their child how to dance basically with her fingers and then say, well, Lisa, this is your right foot, this is your left foot, and that's how you dance. Um, so that was one way that they were able to pass that down um, through the years. But basically, it's just a very, um, it's a proud piece of the Irish culture and something that in hard times they enjoy doing and in times they wanted to celebrate. So it's a pretty neat yeah, cultural sure. piece. Yeah. Um, do you want to give us some of your dance history and then like how you formed the studio? Yeah, sure. So for my dance history, um, I've just always enjoyed dancing. So when I was young, um, I, my mom put me in ballet and tap classes. And um, at some point, I kind of knew about Irish dance only from my mom who had traveled to Ireland and saw Irish dancers in Ireland. And then we went to the Milwaukee Irish Fest. And I, that was my first kind of experience seeing Irish dancers at that time. And that was pre-river dance days. So when Riverdance came out, I was like, what is this? This is insane. This is an Irish dance show. Like, because it was, you know, to me, the Irish dance was really like a very cultural dance form. It was not something you would typically see at a stage show. So um, I was, I believe, 15 when Riverdance came out, and I had already been Irish dancing, and I was just trying to, like, figure out, okay, how does this work? It's like a cultural dance form, but now everyone loves it as, like, a stage show, and... Um, so basically, it became very popular, and then people kind of understand and kind of had an understanding of what I did as an Irish dancer, and I only had a very foundational knowledge of it, just the basics, but then I started getting asked to perform for places because people heard that I Irish danced, and then I got asked to teach for, you know, clubs, dance clubs and schools and dance studios because, um, I, you know, it was something that people wanted to learn at the time. 
So that's kind of how um, I got into teaching and performing myself. Yeah. Um, so how's the pandemic impacted the studio? Um, really, we were able to move all of our classes online. So I think the biggest impact was uh, different delivery of what we were doing and then providing more resources for the dancers to dance at home. So you know, talking about what are some different flooring options they can use at home, what kind of space they need to use at home. Um, these are the videos to learn the dances. These are the videos to practice the dances so you understand the timing. Um, these are our live classes so we can watch them dance and give them feedback. Um, these are some notes that you can use at home. So we just are constantly trying to figure out ways to support them and give them feedback and help them to um, stay, you know, stay on track to continue to progress with their dancing in some way. And um, some of our dancers also ended up figuring out you know, programs and ways to um, improve their athleticism at home, doing online fitness programs so that they could keep their dancing up because I think that was one of the biggest struggles was just keeping their stamina up. You know, they weren't dancing full, full out at home at any point. <laughs> so, and then when they come back into the studio, we've been dancing with masks, which um, we've been giving them a lot of breaks in between dancing as well. So it's kind of been the biggest impact for us. So we did spend, I think, five months of the 12 months this year online, like completely online. And then the other thing is just kind of the class dynamic because we have some students online now and some students in person that are used to being together and so they just haven't seen each other as much as normal. So. Yeah, so how does that work with like if the girls are learning online and then coming together because you've got formations where they all have different parts and just how do you put all that together? Yeah, so we tried a couple different things. Some things worked, some things didn't. <laughs> um, we would give them numbers and then, and then a video of what the dance looked like and kind of like say, this is your number for it, you know. Because um, some dances we've performed before, so it was easier to kind of plug it in and say, this is what we're doing, this is what it looks like, a demonstration of the video. Um, and then some things we just taught them the steps and said, just know this super well because when we do come together, it's going to be very quick to figure out how we're going to put this together. And it was just kind of like a puzzle piece that when we finally were able to come together, we just had to make the formation stuff happen quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what, what, uh, what kind of training have you found helpful for the girls to do, like to kind of supplement the dancing? Yeah, you know, I think Irish dance is really just kind of a good supplement for um, any type of activity that they're doing at the site. You know, I've noticed um, it works really well, you know, for dancers um, who actually also want to do tennis or also want to do some of these other sports. It's not so great if they want to be a runner. <laughs> it's just kind of the impact of their legs to be doing a lot of running and a lot of dancing, but really... Um, it's a, it works really well with so many other sports and it helps them with other sports as well as the other sports helping their, um, their Irish dancing. And for those that choose Irish dance as their main thing and they really don't have any other size sports, um, basically, you know, what our dancers do is they have like an athletic training program to like increase, increase their um, mobility and, you know, flexibility and their strength and specific to Irish dance so that they can improve their Irish dancing. Um, but, you know, Irish dance isn't one of these sports, people always kind of talk about it like baseball, like a pitcher in baseball, like throwing more isn't going to always make you better, it will actually 
hurt. <laughs> so, so you have to like figure out, you know, how much is too much and how much is not enough as far as dancing goes, and then supplement with other things. Like, you know, you can be biking, you can be swimming, you can be doing all these other things, and it will help your dancing. You can't get into the point of like all I have to do is dance to become a better dancer. So they have to kind of like really have a whole world view of like, you know, I'm an athlete and part of it is dancing and I can't overdo that, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about, um, so you teach like 3 to 18, right? Yeah. So do you want to talk about like the skill development that kind of goes through those different ages? Sure, yeah. When they come in at 3, we really want to introduce them to the music and just kind of um, get used to basic movements like hopping and jumping and skipping <laughs> and galloping and walking on their toes. Um, and then as far as hard shoe goes, you know, really just like um, keeping the beat, whether it's clapping or with your feet, you know, so really just foundational, enjoying the music and getting used to traveling across the floor, doing different types of movements. And then, um, and then we kind of move into a stage too where they're getting more used to like doing all of those movements, but with like their posture up and their arms down because when they're little, like you want to jump with your arms in the air and everything to make that happen. So then, then we're really transitioning to more like, what does the upper body look like? And, you know, keeping your head straight and standing tall when you're doing all these movements because it feels very different for them. Um, and then really then it's kind of this foundational skill set of like what the leg is doing. So you're kind of like controlling the bigger movements of the leg. And then as they advance and advance, it's like more detailed work. So um, then it's like all about, you know, the ankle and the toe and then it's then all of a sudden when you get to the highest level it's these little little movements like just dropping your heel and the right time of the music and getting a good sound you know <laughs> combined with something else really intricate so it's kind of like uh, the basics of foundations and then like these big bigger skills or you know um, the posture and then the bigger skills with the legs and then looking at the more intricate footwork yeah. yeah so it sounds like there's uh, I mean there's the gross motor movement stuff and then yeah. fine. Um, so for training, it's like there's posture stuff, there's like hip and leg control, like hamstring strength, I assume is big, but what attributes? Calf muscles, because we're always on our toes. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, are there, are there uh, injuries that are common, like types of injuries? Yeah, so um, one of the biggest injuries that that uh, is out there in Irish dance is not something we actually have huge have had any issues with. Um, and <laughs> basically, um, the Irish dance world has grown and evolved, and um, there's different organizations have different approach with Irish dance. And even though it all kind of goes back to you know the foundations, um, different organizations kind of. Um, you know, one of the organizations has become super athletic, and it's all kind of about the big movements, um, uh, traveling and big movement like athleticism. And other organizations have gotten more like the um, artistic route, you know, like, it, and I think of it kind of like pop music and classical, you know, like, you, there's sort of foundation there, but then there's like a certain direction someone wants to go with their music. It's kind of the same way with Irish dance. So the traditions are all there, but then there's like the contemporary. And um, one of the things um, that has occurred is that, um, not the organization I'm part of, but they, they overcross their feet and they're having lots of hip issues. 
um, with dancers. Um, and then the other thing that dancers, because if, if they're training too much or they're training too hard or they're training on a floor that's not appropriate for a dance, they can get a lot of, um, like, sh well, shin splints, but um, also, like, small fractures, you know, like, um, and foot, foot, uh, foot fractures, I guess I would say, um, and then leg, leg kind of issues as well. Um, but mainly I've heard about the hip, you know, generally speaking, um, when I've seen injuries, um, it's, it's usually, um, if the dancer's coming down from a movement and they're not allowing their body to kind of like, um, absorb it. So if you, if you want to, you know, a really big leap with that straight leg, you have to remember that you have to land in it. <laughs> So um, if they're really trying to be athletic and big, like they can try to keep that straightness the whole time and not really allow their body to kind of absorb landings, like with their ankles and with their knees and things like that. So that's what I found. So we talked a lot about making sure you do that. You know, you bend, your knees have to bend during that point, then you gotta get straight in the air. Yeah, I think that you've talked in the past about like there's certain types of moves you just don't have your girls do. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the organization that I'm a part of, like face, safety is first. And they've seen, you know, all these other injuries um, with other organizations and they're like, we're just not gonna go there. Like there's no reason to be doing those movements with my children if they're likely going to get injured. So the other one we don't do is toe stands. So it'd be like the ballet on point kind of stuff. Um, and our organization has just said, we're just not doing them. They're not necessary. Yes, they're a cool skill. And you know that it's probably fun to do that, but over the long term, if you're training those a lot, um, there's just so much injury with it that we wouldn't want to hinder their ability to dance for a lifetime. Right. You know, so yeah, we don't do toe stands. Yeah. Um, so that's a good point you brought up too. Like, do you want to talk about the, the dance being kind of a lifelong sport? Yeah. So I mean, that's why I I love the organization that I'm a part of because. Um, they have competitor dancers into adulthood, like over 25 category, you know, and, and a lot of these dancers, dancers, you know, have been at the highest level of dance kind of their whole life, and they're able to successfully train and keep with the sport for that long, which is amazing to me. So I, I see a lot of sports where kids, you know, have to quit early. Like I was a gymnast actually growing up, and by the time I was 17, like I had so many injuries, I was ready to be done. And it was very, very sad to like put so much time into something and then know you can't do it again, you know? So, I mean, you can switch to being a coach or a teacher or something, but to actually do the sport still is so cool, I think. So, yeah, Irish dance, you know, um, you know, people are able to continue and to do it as long as, you know, they, they know how to take care of their body and they're not doing some of these, you know, crazy training methods or crazy skills that are prone to injury. So um, it's really neat in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about like the, the team culture that you have here? Yeah, so um, we have things set up so that we kind of have like small cohorts of groups of dancers. So in general, if they stay enrolled, they're going to kind of stay with those same dancers mm -hmm. throughout their lifetime here, you know? So, um, I mean, they may start in a class and then three or four or seven, and then kind of stay with those same dancers till they're at the highest level. And what's so cool about that is um, they kind of get this dynamic of just knowing how to work together um, really well. You know, like they just, um, there's certain people that will, you know, put out ideas. They're not afraid to like 
say, I think that part of the dance needs to be fixed, and you know, everyone's just kind of like, yeah, we're working as a team here. So I think it's really neat at their highest level, like they get a lot of input into how to improve their dance, what the choreography is, you know, um, you know, just encouraging each other to, to, to make it work as a team. So I just think it's kind of cool that even though it's an individual sport, in a sense, for the most part, um, that we're able to build that teamwork aspect in here. So I, I like that. Yeah, that's an interesting point about it being an individual sport, because, like, you wouldn't necessarily think that, but then it's like, it, it is, you know, everybody has to be performing at a certain level, and then also working together to keep the formations and the timing and everything, so. Yeah, That's yeah. really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so how does the, the choreography process work? Yeah, so um, for our highest level class, they get a lot of input into what the choreography is. So basically, for the most part, I choose the steps. Like, so what's happening with their feet? Um, basically, I teach them that work. And then once that is pretty solid, then we kind of um, figure out, okay, who's in this class, how many dancers do we have, how many people are performing, and um, how long do we want this dance to be. And sometimes we choreograph it um, without the music, and sometimes we add the music later. So sometimes we do it kind of around the music. But basically we talk about, okay, let's, what are we going to include in this dance, you know, what, what would be cool to be different, or, you know, something that they want to add. And then it's just like putting a puzzle together. Like they work together, like, how about if we try this? And then that didn't work very well. <laughs> it didn't look as cool as we thought it would look. Or people are running into each other. What if we modify it a little bit this? So it's really just a process of working together and creating something cool that everyone has input into, you know? Yeah, it's so, really cool. They get some ownership in it. Mm -hmm. Now we do have our, our big opener and our big closer is kind of like our statement pieces that we always do every year. Right. And what I love about that is like whether you were an Irish dancer with us, you know, uh, five years ago or today, you know that same dance. So it's like that common language, I love that. So like no matter what, if you, you're an alumni of, of the school, you're like, oh, they're doing that number. I know that number. And it's kind of like, you know, it's cool that everyone has that. Yeah, yeah, and it was cool, like, we were filming today, just seeing how you kind of have that, the signature piece, but then you, you tied in having the younger ones as a, as a, a part of that. Yeah, so. yeah, we added the younger ones, and they just have so much fun, they get so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, well, so, you want to talk about, like, the Irish, how the Irish dance competitions work, and you, you, you guys have had some really high-level success with that? Yeah, so the competitions, basically, um, there's like major competitions like regionals and nationals and worlds. Um, there's also the, the, the nationals, there's like a nationals in the United States and there's a nationals in Ireland. Um, so we've attended all of those events. Um, you need to qualify to be competing at like the highest level, like the solo championship level for those events. Like, um, and, uh, and basically there's solo competitions and there's team competitions. Now with team competitions, um, there's, a, there's a variety of different categories you can also do in team competitions. There's one called Kaylee dancing, which is um, a structured traditional dance of a certain amount of people. Um, we've competed those dances. There's one called uh, figure choreography, which is um, you know, 20 or less dancers, somewhere between eight and 20 dancers. And basically, um, you just make a whole bunch of different formations on stage, and that's your own choreography. 
Um, but yeah, they've had different categories. Um, they had one that's called freestyle where you can kind of do like a show number, like, like a river dance kind of show number where you can choose your own music and costumes and do like a stage show. So we've done a variety of things there. And um, we've also done the solo dancing competition. So yeah, we've, we've uh, enjoyed traveling to Ireland and competing at some of those larger events. And our dancers have, have placed and medaled at some of those events, which has been amazing. And um, it was just a constant progress. First was going there, next was getting someone to medal, you know, next was bringing a team. Next was, you know, getting higher level at the team, you know, uh, higher placement, you know, getting more people to medal. Um, so it was just kind of a process like that, trying to advance and do as best as we could. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have those team dances, like, what happens if a girl gets injured? Like, how do you adjust that? Yeah, you need to just have, a, a, like, a substitute kind of set up, you know, that knows the dance. Um, so... Basically, you have to kind of align it with age groups too. So whoever you're going to have fill in that spot if someone is injured has to align with the age group that you're um, registered for. So that can be tricky, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned like having girls start at you know four or seven or whatever, and then kind of have uh, grow up through the, the years. Um, so what happens hypothetically if you have uh, a girl that wanted to start at like age 12 and then there's the girls that started at 8 and are now 12, like how does that integration work? Mm -hmm. um, well basically, I mean they start in our beginner class and you know if the dancer is a little bit older they get through that beginner class a little bit quicker sometimes. Sure. Uh, if they're younger they kind of stay in that class for a while, they still need like a stronger foundation sometimes to move forward. Um, but then we have a variety of ages within our level 1 class. So, you know, the youngest I think we've ever had in level one is maybe a six-year-old, but generally seven and up. And the oldest we've maybe had in our level one class um, was maybe like 14 or something like that. So there's kind, of, there's kind of an age range within that level one. And then, then they just kind of keep on moving up with those same people. So um, they're with the same people, but uh, their age difference might, you know, kind of be different. Sure. Yeah. They're not always with their exact level peers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with adults, I know there's usually like a level of ego with not wanting to look stupid like when they're learning. Do you see that with the young kids? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I think everyone can have that at some time. I mean, sometimes some steps come easier to people than others. And, um, I mean, I still, I still feel like everyone can kind of have that, even in our advanced level. Like, if there's just a step that's, like, they're really struggling with, they can feel kind of, like, you know, scared or embarrassed to try it, even though, like, that's what we try to, like, with our peer, with the peer group that keeps moving out, like, that they're comfortable trying new things around those people, you know? But I still think everyone can get that way at a time, like, you know, feel like, oh, I'm the one not getting it. You know, <laughs> so, and then just feeling like, why is this so hard for me? You're getting frustrated, right? Because you kind of see everyone else catching on faster. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I know you've had a, a few different boys in your studio here and there. So, like, do you want to just touch on that? Like, it's, it is, a there are guys that can do Irish dance. Oh, definitely, yeah. And some of the schools um, have really great boy programs. We don't specifically have a separate boys program. Our boys are... In, within our girls program 
Um, but they move up just to, uh, through the levels just like our girls do. Um, some schools, uh, they don't have the boys do certain dances. Like the slip jig is kind of like a more graceful dance, and so they just don't teach that one to boys, you know. So, so they're more selective about what they teach the boys. They may even, at some schools, they may um, change the choreography for the boys like all the way through the levels, um, whereas we would only um, change things competitively for the boys. If they're competing at a certain level, like a high level, we may um, change choreography for them just so that uh, they get a few more movements that, you know, like more stamps and different different movements that seem more masculine than feminine. Right. Just to kind of like give them that look on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so like, for example, with when somebody's going from like wrestling to jujitsu, there's kind of a different, they're similar, but it, they're both ground fighting, but there's different kind of mentalities. So with dance, if somebody was moving from like example to ballet to Irish, is there kind of a transition, growing pains kind of, does that make sense as a question? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of something I wondered a few years back too, and then I had a, a friend who taught Irish dance in addition to other dance forms, and I was kind of asking her about that too. And, you know, she said she just kind of tells her dancers to kind of compartmentalize, okay, I'm doing Irish, you know, <laughs> and then there's ballet. So you get kind of, um, if you bring in a dancer who's done ballet or jazz or, um, you know, even basketball or gymnastics, like, I can usually tell what they've done prior mm -hmm. because their body moves in a certain way according to that sport or that dance form. So if they go to bend their leg and their leg is like out to the side, they were probably a ballerina. If they go to bend their leg and it's straight forward, they were probably in jazz. You know, um, the different ways that they want to jump and use their arms, they might have been a basketball. So like, it's just kind of you have this group of people and then you're just trying to bring them together to say like, when you actually bend your leg for Irish, this is where the position needs to be. And when you jump up in the air, you need to have those arms down. And you know, just kind of like helping them compartmentalize, okay, when I'm doing Irish, this is what a jump looks like, this is what a, you know, bending your leg looks like, yeah. staying off your heels, just all the little things like that, yeah. Yeah, but from when you were talking earlier, it sounds like uh, there's not necessarily anything that's detrimental, it's just different, different stuff is going to complement different components of dance and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think, um, yeah, go more into that, is you talking about more like, like the mental component? Well, it could be a lot of different stuff, like, okay. you know, like something that's intense, like basketball is going to help with your stamina mm -hmm. and jumping, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, ballet might make you more graceful for mm -hmm. some of the movements, like yeah. tennis, you know, you got the side-to-side -side movements a lot, and the right. rotational strength, and like, because you have turns, something that's usually not aggressive turns, but still. Yeah, um, yeah, so definitely, I mean, when you do Irish, uh, you're always on your toes, um, those toes, the heels never really come down unless you're doing a stamp. So one of the things is just calf muscles, you know. And you know, just standing there on your toes and just trying to stand there takes a lot of balance, you know. So it's not just you know you have your arms down, so you can't use your arms, and then you're on your toes, which is kind of your center of gravity is a little bit different there too to try to balance. So I would say it definitely helps with balance. Um, at the younger classes, we don't even have them do their arms down at first because they're falling all over the place. They put their hands on their hips to try to keep balance. And, um, 
and you know, a lot of like learning the steps slow for the younger ones and the beginners, it's super hard for them to learn it slow with their arms down because they just don't have the balance. So I definitely can see that the balance is kind of one of the main components. Sure. And um, you know, calf, calf muscles and things like that. Mm -hmm. okay. And posture. <laughs> posture. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about what I had for, for questions. So if I can just give you a plug kind of if people want to check out your school. Oh yeah. So um so Rika Nua Irish dance. Rika means dance in Irish. Nua means new in Irish. And um, yeah, when I opened the school, I just, uh, I really wanted to bring the more traditional Irish dance from Ireland to the school. And that's kind of why I named it how it is too, like a different type of new dance that's Irish, because um, everything that was already here looked very the same to me, like cookie cutter. Um, so our website is rinkanua.com. And uh, yeah, we have free trial lessons Come in and try a lesson. That's usually how they get started. Yeah, so she's in Maple Grove. Check her out. Mm -hmm. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, sure. Thank you.